Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is director, producer, filmmaker, Louis Schwartzberg. And what I really appreciate about Louis and Louis' story is that he is a person that shows us what it looks like when we truly follow our hearts. As somebody who was at college, slated to go to law school, uh, Louis kind of fell into filmmaking. He had a curiosity for cameras and actually is credited with our modern day time lapse. In fact, Louis has been shooting flowers opening 24 hours a day for over 35 years. And did you know that you get five seconds of footage in 24 hours? And during that time, he also started exploring taking psychedelics alone and in nature. And through his own storytelling, he's been trying to share those experiences with all of us. His latest film you can see on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi. If you haven't already, you can see these extraordinary images and storytelling about how guided psychedelics Uh, trips and journeys are really helping heal people, whether it's people who've suffered greatly, have anxiety, trauma, PTSD, and now even cutting edge treatments where they're taking the psychedelics and coupling it with different environments. So sound and smell, and even using some of Louis's images to get a quicker and deeper and more powerful response for people. And Louis, I think what What shows up for me when I talk to Louis is somebody who experienced a deeper connection with themselves, not only through the process of using psychedelics, but also following one's passions, but then connecting to nature and connecting to each other on just a richer level. Um, It's just an inspiring conversation. And if you have not seen Fantastic Fungi, I highly suggest it. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Louis. Louis, thank you for coming over, coming to my house. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really always so interested to dive into topics like this because on this podcast, my hope is that we take kind of best in class information, but still make it accessible. And I love the idea of, I always say mixing kind of cotton and lycra where, for example, like if I go on a breathing you know, if you do meditation or something and people will be like, oh, I saw the stratosphere and I went here and I went there. There's a part of me that I will do that. I'll go on that journey, but it's also after I have a little bit of understanding. And I feel that way. Like when I watched your film, uh, Fantastic Fungi, because yes, there is this sort of very spiritual side of psychedelics or mushrooms, but there's also a really important additionally important side of healing and even sort of an everyday use. And I think people feel like it's an either or instead of realizing that there's, they do so many different things. And I think it's all the same. They they heal. 
They heal your mind. They heal the body. They heal the planet. They heal soil. So mm-hmm. it's all the same. Yeah, and, and if, if people haven't seen, it's on Netflix at the moment. I know you toured the film as well, right? Yeah, initially theatrically before sure. COVID made us pivot <laughs> yeah. to a online distribution model. Yes. Yeah, so it's wonderful because people can watch it at any time. Um, fantastic fungi. Yeah. And, um, but when I actually first saw you, and maybe we can start, I want to back up, mm-hmm. was I saw your TED Talk. And it was, what was it, like 2012 or 13 or something like that? A long time ago. Yeah, on gratitude. And you have a line in that. I pulled it out that really felt really important. And you talked about that beauty and seduction are nature's tools for survival. So how do you go from basically being kind of the time-lapse filming guy to standing on a stage and talking about gratitude? Well, I think that line is sort of my mantra. Mm-hmm. And um, what time-lapse taught me is that, you know, everything is energy and life is change. And that beauty is the way we fall in love with the planet And if you fall in love with something, you'll protect it. So, you know, I've been filming clouds and time-lapse flowers, and certainly flowers are seductive. They're the sexual organ of the plant. Mm -hmm. Hello. And their aroma, their color, they they turn into fruit and nuts and vegetables, all the healthy food we need to eat. How can you not be seduced? When you feel that emotion, how can you not be grateful how could you not be grateful for that feeling of, of beauty? And I think beauty is nature's operating instructions that makes life go forward. Not just in terms of reproduction. It's kind of obvious. You can yeah. be turned on. Sure. And I think attraction is certainly a, a beautiful thing, you know. But it also drives pollinators that aren't being necessarily turned on for sexual behavior. I mean, a bee lands on a flower because it wants nectar and pollen to feed its babies. Mm -hmm. And the flower is getting a messenger to move its DNA forward so it can reproduce because it doesn't have legs. So they're not mating. They're not having sexual intercourse. As a matter of fact, they're in different kingdoms. One's a plant. Right. One's an animal. They're not getting it on. Right. But they are getting it on by being turned on by beauty, by color, taste, touch, smell. Sensory receptors that are being turned on. Mm. And so for me, I think that's the driving force of life on our planet. And when you, so I also want to encourage people to walk, because your footage, when I, I think it was the 90s, I went and saw a movie, and I hope I don't get the title wrong. Uh, it just dawned on me right now. Bakara. Do you remember? Uh, it was Baraka. No, Baraka. That's it. Thank you. But before that was Koyana Scotsi. Yes. And it was all images, no words. Right, And I remember I took a friend of mine who maybe isn't quite as enthralled with that idea, but I didn't really know. And when I was sitting there, I think I started getting really nervous after about 12 minutes. And I thought, oh, this is not going to have any words. But when I watch your footage, either in Fabulous Fungi or even in the Gratitude uh, lecture on, on the TED Talk, it doesn't need words. And it, there's something, I mean, beautiful images are beautiful images, but when you slow it down, mm. when you do that time lapse, you tell all these mini stories, these cycles. Um, the one that really blew my mind were the pine cones. Yeah. I don't know why. It was something about something that feels so fixed, being mm-hmm. so mobile. And, and opening um, up. Yeah. It was because 
maybe that for me is I can relate to that, right? Like I have this kind of driving sort of, but it's that reminder that you, it, to be more balanced, you have to have that ability as well. Yeah. And, um, and I think when people see the images, you intuitively understand the stories better. Mm-hmm. And so is that what drove you? Cause then you then put into words, okay, talking about gratitude. Mm-hmm. What was the one, did one lead you to the next? I think so, because basically it makes you present when you're turned on. And isn't that the mm-hmm. goal of every mindful or religious practice is to become present. So what makes you present? Wonder and awe. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, when your jaw drops, could be a big wave, could yeah. be a flower opening, could be, you know, beautiful music. All of these things, I think, kind of lead you into a portal of the divine And when that happens, you become very present. And when you become present, then um, that's sort of the ultimate feeling of bliss. Yeah. And then you're asking me like, well, then does does gratitude follow that? Yeah, it does. Because what else can I do but be grateful? I mean, I think I'm done trying to figure out what to call it. Is it God? Is it the universe? Is it this? Is it that? You know, what does all this mean? I mean, at some point, I think you just have to kind of let go and soak it up and feel it and stop trying to catalog it, which is what we do all the time. Give it a name as if that means you understand it. Call it God. What does God mean? I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to insult anyone that's got a religious practice, but it doesn't mean you get it. Right. I think for most of us, you know, being in love with, with the mystery is where it's at. There's something once we do realize that it's impossible to understand, there's mm-hmm. something liberating in that where you then have the chance to actually see it. Uh, it, it takes a minute, though, I think, you know, because you're always you're, you're having to define everything as yeah. you get older because it's, everything's threatening and scary and new and weird and all of that. So you were a teenager in the 60s mm-hmm. and there was, you know, sort of a rebellious anti-movement at that time, which I think has sort of brought us here in, in so many ways, whether it's our music or, or thought or now um, even back to researching um, what psilocybin can do for us, psilocybin can do for us, and things like that. Um, I'm just curious. Would you call yourself a rebellious teenager? Were you all, were you part of all of that when yeah, you were growing up? Definitely. Um, I would say it was all about being, you know, challenging uh, authority, mm-hmm. status quo. It was at UCLA, 1970, and definitely part of the anti-war demonstrations, which was definitely an unjust war. Um, and the revolution of the sexual revolution, the drug revolution, people of color, women, mm-hmm. all of it, imagine, happening within a year. Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, um, you know, Burn Baby Burn, all that happened, you know, the Chicago riots, all in 1969. Um, so it definitely felt, it was like a, a pivot, a turning point. Mm-hmm. That's why I got turned on to photography. I was actually a history major. I was going to ask you, what was the uh, the the dream as a young man? What were you going to do in the history degree? Were you going to teach I history? Be, no, I was going to fight for social justice, being an environmental lawyer. My parents were Holocaust survivors. So growing up, I always wanted to fight for social or environmental justice. 
um, that's still in me. Mm-hmm. And one way to combat the police brutality, especially against women on campus, was to document it. So I did these photo essays, which is a lot easier than writing a paper. Right. And that's when I kind of found my voice. I fell in love with being in the dark room. Um, that led me to filming nature. Nature becomes your greatest teacher, teaches you everything about lighting and composition and color and movement. And led me into filmmaking. Um, and that's the path I've been on ever since. When you think about, because you talk about in 69, all these sort of monumental things happening. I feel like we're in a compressed time, obviously, yeah. right now between COVID and everything and multiple wars and everything that's happening. So as somebody who has a little more experience mm-hmm. and people talk a lot about something good really can come out of all of this because I am born in 70. So I, this is my, I'm at the end of a kind of a big cycle. You're beginning, you've seen this cycle. Right. So do you, does this make you hopeful? It's, there's a lot, there's a lot of sadness and destruction happening, but mm. is it the transition in your mind Yeah. to something? And now we're trying to figure out our relationship with technology and AI mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Right. And you're, you know, for you and even kind of, with the relationship with psychedelics, because I feel like that maybe would give one a perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does it land for you? I think we're definitely going through a period of breakdown and breakthrough. Yeah. And that cycle, by the way, is an astrological cycle Yeah, as well. It's when Uranus and Pluto are in, in conjunction with each other. That's what was happening in the late 60s and the early 70s. And typically it's a 60-year cycle. Because uh, Rick Tarnas did a book called uh, Changing the Gods. And he, he goes back and he maps his history, Western civilization, mm-hmm. and relationships to the planets. And there is a correlation that every 60 years there's like revolution, rebellion, um, women's suffrage. All these things happen. He goes all the way back to the French Revolution. But whether you believe in that or not, that doesn't matter. What I do know from observing nature Things have to break down for new life to, you know, emerge. And with with the mushrooms and fungi, they decompose organic matter. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of life. It could be the beginning of life. Because unless you have those component parts, the carbon, the nitrogen, to for a new baby plant to grow, well, life would be over in one, one generation, one cycle. So the fossil fuel economy, politics... Um, this, this sort of killer be killed macho view of, of life and business. We need a whole new story mm-hmm. that isn't based on um, survival of the fittest. It should be survival of the kindest. I think the films that I make are more of the feminine side of nature. Mm-hmm. It's about connection, regeneration, symbiosis, rebirth, wings of life. Meryl Streep is the voice of the flower right. turning bees, bats, hummingbirds, and pollinators to come get her so that life can go forward. And we're the beneficiaries with all the healthy food. Mm-hmm. Fantastic fungi, same thing. Yeah. What do plants need? Soil. Where does soil come from? Most people don't have that, don't know the answer to that. Yeah. You know, soil is decomposed organic matter for life to go forward. So life is a cycle. And things have to break down for new things to emerge. And we are at that point of breakdown and breakthrough. So you, it took, 
You worked on that film for 10 years or longer. Or longer? Well, yeah, right. Fantastic Fungi? Yeah. How well, long? I started it 14 years ago. And part of it was the difficulty of having to either raise money yeah. and or find someone to fund it. But I kind of made a commitment with Fantastic Fungi that I wouldn't let a Nat Geo or a Disney take control of it because you get your heart broken mm -hmm. in terms of marketing and distribution. The people who usually promise, the people who green like your movie are no longer there because it takes about two and a half years. Yeah. And through the- uh, They moved on. The musical chairs of yeah. Hollywood executives yeah. is typically two years. Yeah. And um, so I, I was committed that with Fantastic Fungi, I didn't want to go through any heartache. Yeah, I'm sure that happened. <laughs> it happens to a lot of people. No, I'm saying, but, I think any uh, project that's, because you're not making a project that you're here to entertain people. You're right. really trying to share, help, support, give real information. And there, it feels important. Yeah. And I don't think any of us can do that kind of work and not get a little bit heartbroken along yeah. the way. I think even more than important, it's survival of the species. Yes. With Wings of Life, it was about colony collapse disorder. Yep. Even Einstein said, if the bees go, we go. And um, so to not have my film be released the way it was promised to be released, it's not about money. It's not about ego or credit. It's about I'm trying to save the planet in my head. Mm -hmm. sure. It could be my own ego. But I'm trying to like you know, make sure that there is a food supply for people to eat and that life will go forward. That's a big wish. And for that to be blocked is definitely is a heartache. Yeah. I think it has to be though. Meaning I think it has to be blocked. I don't think you can take on any project. Someone could watch and be like, oh, wow. And you, there's not heartache. I just don't think it's possible. I think you can make a comic book movie um, easier than doing something like that. Yeah. So I want to, I just, I, I'm just curious because yeah. time lapse is, a, is interesting. Mm -hmm. You set everything up. How, how did you learn? Because I mean, the images, it's weird because now with AI, you see all this stuff and it's not real, but when you see your footage, it mm -hmm. is unreal. Right. It's unreal. How did you learn, know how to, where to put it, how to set it up, how long, what happens when you come back 20 hours later and the thing wasn't rolling? Like, tell me a little bit about that process mm -hmm. and, um, and sort of how you fell into that. Well, no one had ever done it before I did it in 35-millimeter yeah. film. So this is back in 1970. I was living in Mendocino, up in Elk, population of like 100 in a town. I couldn't afford to buy a movie camera. Movie camera was about 200000 back then. Wow. Film development processing, $100 a minute. But I wanted to shoot 35-millimeter film because I had a, a, a strong connection to fine art photography and fine art photography is all about big negatives, mm -hmm. right? And beautiful resolution. People had done time-lapse in 16 millimeter with a Bolex, you know, right. but I wanted to shoot it in 35. So I got these old cameras built in the thirties that had beautiful registration, modified it to put still camera lenses on it. A friend of mine made electric guitars for the Grateful Dead. He built me a, a battery powered motor that ran off flashlight batteries because an animation motor was like, you know, 20 pounds and was AC. You had to plug it into a wall. Right. That's how you shoot Disney animation. Time-lapse is one 
it's film shot one frame at a time for your listeners yeah. to understand. So how do you shoot one frame at a time with a movie camera? There was nothing you could purchase or rent. So I had to kind of create that. Actually, 20 years later, somebody built a battery-powered DC time-lapse motor and got the Academy Award for technical achievement. But I wasn't making a product to sell. It was you just you know, something. Yeah, for me. Yeah. So that enabled me to shoot stuff where I didn't have much money, but I did have time and a sense of wonder. Yeah. Living up in the woods, watching the fog come in and out, looking at the fog like ocean waves that you know hit the shore and crash like a big ocean uh, wave would crash on the back of a rock. It was so beautiful to watch that, to see that, to kind of see God's God's vision in a way. Um, and it totally changes your worldview. And not only do you realize that fog is water, but it also, I think, connects to your soul because every cell in your body is made of water mm -hmm. and the laws of the universe and physics and all of that stuff it's going on in the ocean, you know this, mm -hmm. it's going on inside of your body, sure. right? Yeah. So Same. that's why I think there's a connection. That's why when people see the imagery, it does touch your soul or mm -hmm. people cry. They go, oh, it's so beautiful. Because I think it's a homecoming that they're seeing something that they're, they become disconnected from yeah. for a long time, but they didn't know that. Mm. And it feels wonderful to slip into your bed after traveling, right? Yeah. To feel your home. And I think people feel that because now they're seeing nature in its pure form mm -hmm. of, of energy. Not like, oh, that's Yosemite. Oh, that's Maui. Oh, that's Yellowstone. Right. Oh, that's a rose. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Right. Come on. Do well, you really get you, it? And it puts you there. <laughs> the, the, the thing about the time lapse for me is like, it puts you there, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we're walking and nature's down below or it's up above right. and the way it gets shot, it's, it puts you right there. You know why? First of all, I think it's because, and now we have CGI and you mentioned AI. So mm -hmm. all the big action films have to have bigger explosions. First you explode a building, the planet, the universe, <laughs> they need more, you know, each time. But if you see a flower, and your brain recognizes that it's real, and yet it's doing something you've never seen before, then all of a sudden you're going, wow, mm. because I can't pigeonhole it. I can't, you know, is it animation? Is it live action? Is it CGI? Whatever. Yeah. It like, it grabs you be, because of that fact. But the other fact might be too that you're bending time and scale. Mm. And that's what psychedelics do. I'm giving you a different worldview. I'm showing you what the flower might see. I'm showing you what a hummingbird might see if it was altered, if it was slow motion, for example. Being able to broaden your perspective to see that life is valid from every point of view. Right. Right? Yeah. Whether you're a bird, a redwood tree, right. a mosquito. And that also makes you think about other cultures, mm. the way they live, the food they eat, the music, right? Yeah. Everyone's point of view is valid, you know, in terms of how they want to live their life. Yeah. And I think you need to respect that. And you need to have compassion for that. And that's why traveling opens up your mind mm. and your consciousness when you see different people doing things. And I feel like with time-lapse and slow-mo, I'm showing you how life is seen by other living beings.
This podcast is brought to you by Honey Love. I'm so thankful for Honey Love because there's nothing worse than suffering from an uncomfortable bra or shapewear. And I don't know about you, but shapewear is something that really has gotten just more in my language in the last 10 years. I never even considered wearing shapewear. It seemed uncomfortable. It seemed unnatural. It seemed hot. It seemed hard to get on, hard to get off. And now you've got Honey Love. They have really revolutionized the bra and shapewear game. So you don't have to deal with uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that, you know, they trap heat. You feel stuck in. You can't wait to get home and take your bra off. No longer the case, but you don't have to sacrifice support. They've made it with fabrics that are so soft, you won't want to take it off. And their shapewear uses targeted compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're just smushed into this or, you know, okay, so it works and I feel protected, but I'm miserable. I'm sweating inside. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. And I personally, my first piece I got was the crossover bra and it's, it's just really comfortable and it doesn't have any underwires, but again, it supports you. And I think a lot of times when people think of shapewear or bras that are made by shapewear companies, it's like, okay, you have to have a really large chest. Well, it's not the case. They look great in your clothing. They're so comfy. And I also got the superpower shorts. I have a few dresses and a pair pair of pants in particular that I love so much, but I will never wear because they just fit in a way that I feel kind of vulnerable. Well, with Honey Love, the superpower short worked perfect. And the other thing is I have bigger thighs up top. You know, I've been training my whole life and it doesn't fold down or roll up. Because if you had that happen, that's my favorite. It's like, you know, you're sitting there and you can slowly start to feel it either rolling up your thighs or rolling down your waist. Well, with all of their technology and fabrics, they have really thought of everything. They also have a crossover cami bodysuit and a low back bodysuit. So if you need something where you want to show your back, but you want that support, they have it. And they have an incredible offer for you. And it makes me think it would be also a great thing, not only to treat yourself, but maybe buy somebody a gift. So you can treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. And listen to this, save up to 50% off site-wide at honeylove.com slash Gabby this month only. Inventory is limited and the sale ends soon. So don't miss their best deals of the year. That's honeylove, H-O-N-E-L-O-V-E.com slash Gabby. And if they ask you where you heard about it, please tell them that you heard from this podcast and support our show and tell them we sent you. This podcast is brought to you by Cozy Earth. I know that I tell you guys that I have to try every single thing, see it, read it, taste it, drink it, or sleep on it before I share it with you. And by the way, Cozy Earth is no different. I got my sheets in the mail. I got some beautiful white viscose from bamboo sheets, Cal King for my bed. And, you know, they craft luxury goods that really can enhance and support and just transform your lifestyle. And I slept on them after about three nights. I thought, oh man, these things are, they're really amazing. They're so comfortable. They feel so good, so beautifully made. And they come with a 10-year warranty. So I got the viscose from Bamboo, but they also come in linen. So depending on what you want, they all the bedding is temperature regulating, which is important. And on my house, I run a little cooler. Laird runs a little hotter. How do we get stuff that works for both of us? 
Um, and even their loungewear, they sent some of it. One of my daughters already has somehow the socks are gone. Uh, they have beautiful loungewear that offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering, elegant fit. Um, and not only does it feel so good and so well-made, but it does come with a 10-year warranty, which feels important to me because you don't want to invest in something. And by the way, they have an incredible offer for you today that I personally took advantage of. But you also want to know like, hey, if something goes wrong, they'll take care of it and they will. Um, But the other side of this is, I don't know about you, but in my house, it feels like all my sheets and towels are get ruined all at once. Like all the holes show up and, and all of this. So after I got my sheets, about two weeks into it, it was like, yeah, there was holes in, in a lot of the fitted sheets of mine. So I bought personally four sets of full sheets from Cozy Earth because I like it that much. And they have, like I said, an offer that's too good to pass up. Maybe you want to get, if you're in the market for new sheets or beautiful loungewear, or you want to buy it as a present, Cozy Earth provides us an exclusive offer for my listeners today, up to 35% off site-wide. And all you have to do is go to CozyEarth.com. That's C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H.com. And go hit it, put in the code Gabby Reese, one word, at checkout for your savings. Oh, and the other thing is, I really like white sheets, but they have so many colors. So whatever you know, your style is or whatever you're looking for. They have something for everybody. If you go to cozyearth.com and don't forget to use the code Gabby Reese, one word. So you, did you personally like what was your original relationship with psychedelics or with, you know, this kind of aspect or practice? Was it for fun and for partying or was it, oh, I want to be enlightened? Was it a combination? Like what was your, yeah. what was your original? I, my first psychedelic experiences were at UCLA in couple, when I was in college. and um, Learn all the good stuff in college, right? Totally. And I mean, I think the first time I, I did it, I hitchhiked up to, uh, I was on the border between, uh, up, up California on the border between Oregon, California, and I remember um, taking this incredible acid trip. I had like, you know, the ocean in front of me, redwoods behind me, big sand dunes off to the right. And I realized at that point that everything was energy and life is change. It was very clear. Now, I hadn't read that. Nobody was talking about that. Um, the only time anyone used the word energy, we were in an energy crisis, like with gasoline oh, yes. or something. Uh, even in odd license plates. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Like people talk about the energy crisis. <laughs> um, and so I think it definitely influenced all my filmmaking because I wanted to share that vision with people. I want people to see that um, even the mountains are breathing and are alive. Mm. And that the ocean is a spirit and the forest is a community. You see all that yeah. and you want to communicate that. Now, indigenous people have been seeing that and, and expressing that for a long time. So I definitely did it as a, as a, as a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. I never did it to party. As a matter of fact, I would, I would hate to do it in the concert surrounded by thousands of people. I think... It's too much. Too much. You know, we're, how do I get to the bathroom? 
<laughs> yeah. What do I do? Uh, it's too much energy. I think it's a beautiful way to you, for anyone to have a voyage of self-discovery to connect with their soul. And I think it should be treated in a very respectful, sacred way. Yeah. Well, they always talk about set and setting and, and the importance. And, and, well, nature for me. Yeah. And now we have like, you know, hospitals and therapy, yeah. shamans. I mean, everyone should select their own right, the way comfortable way to do it. But yeah. for me personally, yeah, I want to be in nature. Yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about the film um, because in Fantastic Fungi, and, and I want to actually talk about some of the medicinal and kind of the studies, because I, I think a lot of times people, they hear it, but they don't really hear it. It doesn't really land about what is happening in this space. Um, for example, we were talking about they have hospitals. There's a gentleman in there. I think he had prostate cancer. Right. And it's like you're laying down. They you know put something over your ears. They cover your eyes. There's somebody there. Right. They talk to you prior to. It even is a pill. You know, it's like it's something Synthetic. we're yes, we're familiar with. Sure. Because even if it's a, a, a transition or a bridge, right? Like, okay, you're not sitting at the base of a giant tree eating a, the real thing. At least it's a step, yeah. right? An openness to totally. But when you were making the movie, how did you decide? Okay, we're going to talk about the enlightened, the spiritual part, like some of the stuff we were just talking about, and then. Uh, the medical and the emotional, a right. lot of the benefits for soldiers, PTSD, trauma, anxiety, um, up to cancers and things like that. Right. What's interesting is in the movie, I don't really ever say it's spiritual, to be honest. It, you feel it. That's right. Uh, but but I, yes. I didn't promote it or sell it or it's even intuitive. say it. It's, it's intuitive. It's intuitive. It is. Because like, as we said earlier, that watching time lapse turns you on in a spiritual way. Mm-hmm. For some people, maybe not all, but for most people. Okay. But that's great. You know why? Because they figured they would, they were able to ex- discover that on their own. If I said, come to Fantastic Fungi, it is yeah. a spiritual <laughs> journey that's going to turn you on. First of all, a lot of our our children would not go. No. They're very skeptical. Some new age bullshit yep. is being, you know, thrown at them. So it was kind of cool that I, I loved the fact that I could pull the rug on the audience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought they were going to watch a cooking show. There's no, nothing come in, on. I swear to God, there's nothing in the film about food. Think about it. No, except what was the in one the that tastes like shrimp or lobster? Not yeah, my yeah, turkey. Well, I'm joking, but yeah, you know, but, it's like. But it wasn't really a lot Oh, the about, group that gets together. Yeah. What, that one group that gets together. And, and they then forage. They, yes, yes. And they forage. But it wasn't really about the food <laughs> aspect of mushrooms, no. which is what most people think. But I want to answer, <laughs> getting back to the, to the question, which was, I'm sorry. Just they, so intuitive, putting in sort of oh, letting yeah, well, it be understood about the spiritual aspects, right, because right. it also came from the people that were experiencing it. They were yeah. sharing their experience. Yeah. But yeah. that, because I'm going to, I'll be honest, coming from just a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I had pretty, I had more loosey goosey adults the way I grew up. It's the opposite, right? My, mm-hmm. it kicked. I was the next group. They, I was like, oh, that is stuff that it makes you out of control. So that narrative lived for a really long time. Research stopped on psychedelics. Right. It sort of got revived in 2000 or 99 or something True. like that. Right. But there was sort of this 30-year stall. Right. And, and, you know, maybe a lot of missed opportunity. But I think 
what is exciting between what you're doing and maps mm-hmm. and Michael Pollan's book and like is from all these different directions is supporting the incredible tool that that these organisms are right. like it's for me besides the ocean mm-hmm. the ocean you know yeah. being this incredible resource i feel like we the the magic of mushrooms for real is it's kind of mind blowing once you really start to dig into how, yeah. how all the things that they do and can do. Yeah. So how many ways can nature speak to you? The ocean is one way. Sure. You know, catching a big wave. Yeah. Would the be wind, one way. Even the wind, you know. Yeah, the wind, yeah. just you know, diving into the water. Yes. Um, and then why wouldn't nature also speak to you in a molecular way? I mean, it's a miracle that it created a molecule that fits a receptor in the brain that gives you the experience of divine consciousness. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that an accident? It's a great question to ask. I don't think so. It seems pretty, you know, (laughs) mathematically impossible. But so in Fantastic Fungi, I did show the work that was happening at John Hopkins, which Mm -hmm. is really great, helping cancer patients dealing with anxiety end-of-life anxiety. Yeah. I mean, imagine that it's bad enough you get a diagnosis, you got cancer. But the mental, you know, obstacle of thinking, well, what happens if I die? Whoa, that's mm. the biggest existential question just about everybody has. What happens when you die? Well, if you don't have a, a framework for that other than heaven and hell, mm. then you're really in a scary position. Yeah. Now, I think the feeling of connectedness, the feeling of of love, the feeling that you're a part of everything eliminates the fear of dying. And that's what the patients said in my movie, as well as in general, that's what patients say about the psychedelic experience. Now, that's a giant gift because if your mental attitude shifts, if you have cancer or some other kind of disease, that's a major step in healing, major step to have fear in your head and physiologically, you know, have stuff that's going on. And perhaps, you know, a lot of people do believe that, you know, the, the fear in your mind can trigger a lot of dis-ease. Yes. Right? Of course. And so there, there is a connection. Don't mind. be scared to say that here. Okay. Don't be afraid to say no, that. No, so so there, there is a connection between yeah. mind and the body. And so <laughs> if you can heal the mind, then maybe that's a way to heal the body. And actually the people in my movie that I filmed going back... Shit, in 2018, seven, they're still alive. Yeah. And so um, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they lost their fear of dying. And they embraced a whole new way of looking at life, of celebrating life, of, 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 of nurturing every second as being a gift. That is a healthy way to live. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting. I After having a lot of these conversations, I'm always... Am, it always reminds me how our biology at times really is in such kind of conflict with where we're all hoping maybe to evolve to, because there's just sort of kind of some nuts and bolts that our biology does to keep us safe that really can kick our ass on a day to day, you know, constantly making narratives and meaning of everything and thinking about the future and pondering the past. And it's like, okay, I get it. Cause it keeps us like, Oh, that's a fire and yeah. that thing's coming at me. Right. But how far spiritually, 
that's the thing to try to transcend is to really get on top of that and and pay attention to that. So can you recall, um, and I, I would love to talk about Paul Stamets, like his mom using, was it turkey tail? Yeah. Right. She had cancer. She used turkey and along with some other drugs as well. Right. So, and he, if for people who don't know him, um, his work is exceptional. Um, it's amazing. But um, are there any studies specifically that you can recall um, that were impressive to you that you you got to share in the documentary or, or ones that are coming out now? Maybe stuff yeah. has changed yeah. and is different. I've got one that you're going to love this. Okay. <laughs> it just got published in Frontiers of Psychiatry. We did a study here in Santa Monica at St. John's at the Pacific Neuroscience Institute we were treating um, patients with alcohol addiction. Um, they were given psilocybin, and they watched my film mm -hmm. of rhythms and patterns of nature as they were coming on to the psilocybin. Then they did a typical eye shade thing for two or three hours with a therapist. And then when they were coming down, I had another film, like kind of a landing film of earthy tones and shafts of light to kind of bring them back to earth a little mm -hmm. bit. And the study showed that the combination of my imagery, nature's imagery of rhythms and patterns of nature, not my imagery, nature's yeah. imagery, in conjunction with psilocybin was better than the psilocybin by itself. Mm -hmm. This is a groundbreaking study. It's never been done before. So We're it showed that cardiovascular markers like heart rate, mm -hmm. blood pressure, and the overall effect was much more positive watching nature imagery with psilocybin as opposed to psilocybin by itself. Do you think it's because it directed the mind, but into kind of the right place? Yes. Yes. It made you feel connected. Yes. You saw rhythms and patterns, ocean waves. Look at this thing. Yeah. What is that? I'm looking at the image on your wall yeah, here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that is a wave, but I could also say it's inside the mitochondria in every cell of my body, of which there's like 30 trillion. Right. Whoa. And there's another 30 trillion of fungi and bacteria in my body. Mm. There's about 70 trillion cells in my body. Mm -hmm. Half of it is me. Half of it is other things. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that a miracle? So if, if I can connect to that, if I'm in a symbiotic relationship with that, I'm okay. There, And just to make it clear for people, and I know they know this, there's my, there's all types of mushrooms that do all types of different things. So I can take a mushroom that brings buoyancy to my immune system because mm -hmm. I think there's a delineation. It's not going to strengthen your immune system. It's going to allow the body to do what it needs to do. So it kind of gives it that space and that buoyancy. Right. So I think people, you know, who aren't experienced, whether it's you know, Rishi or Chaga or all kinds of ones that you can take on a daily basis that do support you that way are different than some other ones. Right. Right. So it's not, uh, well, uh, okay, you know, I'm scared. I love how people will take pills, but if you go, hey, here's some vitamin D <laughs> or some Chaga, they're like, well, I, you know, I need to check, take that. It's like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> the beautiful, I mean, the beautiful part about the mushrooms is that, you know, we basically evolved from fungi mm -hmm. when you look at the story of it. And so like penicillin, for example, has, you know, saved more human lives than any other drug. It's not like they're giving you the superpower. They fight the same viruses and bacteria that we need to 
to fight. Mm -hmm. So there, you're just having an ally. You're creating an alliance with something that's in your body that will help kill the things that might harm you, which right. is really great, mm -hmm. you know, because we're, our DNA is more closely aligned with them than, they, than plants, for example. So what a giant benefit. And because they are geniuses at chemical warfare, that's what they do. You know, they don't have eyes and ears at the tip of a mycelial network when they, they crawl under the ground and they expand and grow. They'll touch you and they'll go, well, wait, friend or foe? Mm -hmm. Is this food that I need to dissolve with my enzymes because I have an external stomach and get my nutrients? That's what they do, which is great, you know? Or are you, you know, someone that's, that, that I need to attack and is going to eat me? Mm -hmm. So they, they have the intelligence to figure that out, if you can harness that in a positive way, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. And even the cooperation with other, like with the trees and nature. And I mean, it it is, it is mind blowing. Totally. I mean, I think people don't understand to the extent of the capacity of what they get, what they're able to do. They're sentient. Uh, yeah. So for you, was this something that you would practice on a semi-regular basis, you'd need a tune-up, um, you know, like maybe <laughs> yeah. you start getting too worried about earthly, manly, human things and you go, oh, you know, I've lost some perspective. Like, how did you personally yeah. use it? Well, there was a, when my children, when my daughters were growing up, I mm -hmm. went probably 15 or 20 years and did not do it. Yeah. From my early college days when I was doing more experimentation and living in the woods, part of the back to the land movement. What was that? What what was the choice around that? I guess more responsibility when you're a parent. Yes, but it was but th there's something. It's interesting because I want to ask you about that yeah. about perspective because it's I don't feel like you need more perspective, more better perspective in your life than when you're a parent. Right. So it's an interesting. But you thought, okay, I'll just I, I'm not gonna. I just there was no no desire. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a joy, certainly, of, of raising children, yeah. and, and you're—it's a 24-hour a day, you know, experience. Yes, and so, um, <laughs> and there's responsibility. So it wasn't like a drag, and this is like a fun thing. It was more like there was just no need because I'm in—I'm involved in a whole other journey, which is like raising these two beautiful women mm -hmm. in my life that I get to fall in love with, which is so cool. But then after that, I went to a bunch of conferences. I started. Is that what you guys call them? Conferences? What? No, I'm joking. No, no. I went to a real conference about, um, it was what actually up in, in Madison. It was about, you know, consciousness. I started to be invited in these talks. And then I did this talk up in Madison. And then the next day I was going to go do this big shoot for Disney for a theme park ride, you know, at Animal Kingdom, which is kind of bizarre. But they, I come down and I had like a day to kill. I was going to just do photography around the lake. And these gray-haired old ladies go, um, do you want to go um, with us? We're going to have with a, a circle. They call it a circle. I had no idea. The ladies call it a circle? Yeah, a sacred circle. Wow. In Madison? In Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. And so I, I went with them to the sacred circle. And it was a beautiful, like, A-frame overlooking a lake. And um, it was the first time I had done it, but I had done it in the first time in a group setting with um, a rabbi who was, like, the leader, who was now the uh, uh, leader of the group, and sharing not only the psychedelics but a great playlist. There were a lot of young medical students there 
as well, who were looking up to me as an elder. That was something I'd never experienced before Mm -hmm. because I just did to talk about nature. Duh, nature's conscious. I showed him time lapse and vines growing up a tree. Everyone's talking, what is consciousness? And it's very Mm -hmm. academic, you know, conference. And I'm (laughs) chomping at the bit, going, let me just show you my movie. Yeah. Because people are trying to define what is consciousness. There's just a lot of words. Yeah. It's like when people say I'm really authentic. Yeah. You just go, oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks. So you just go in circles. (laughs) I mean, trying to put words to define what is consciousness. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, and then I experienced that in the very first time in a long time. And now I understand that there's this whole underground, there had been a big, there's an underground movement of underground practitioners that even though it went dark for the 30 years when this criminal called Richard Nixon declared the war on drugs, which we are still suffering from with mass incarceration worldwide, One crazy guy named Richard Nixon triggered the whole thing. Mushrooms was never a Schedule I drug. Marijuana was never a Schedule I drug. LSD was never a Schedule I drug. It was the cutting edge of psychological research at Stanford, at Harvard, at every major institution. And great work was, you know, occurring. So it did go dark for 30 years. And then I discovered that there's been a lot of underground practitioners therapists, psychologists that have been treating patients and healing people regardless of the law, because Mm -hmm. that's what they do. They're doctors. They want to heal people. And so I learned that there was a whole other thing other than my practice, which was being in the woods, being at the beach, being, you know, surrounded by nature. That was my spiritual practice, my way of doing it. And then I learned about indigenous you know, ceremonies and you'll learn about ayahuasca and mm. and now it's gotten a bit commercialized. One has to be very careful yeah. with these shamans that are popping up everywhere. But you know what? It's unstoppable. There is a shift of consciousness happening on the planet. I think psychedelics are part of it. I think that technological breakthrough is yeah. certainly a part of it. I think we are becoming a little bit more aware and conscious overall. But at the same time, there's always going to be pushback with change. Mm-hmm. And then we also get the rigid Donald Trumps of the world. Yeah. And, you know, that is sort of the the yin-yang of life. Yeah, and I think I think as you get older, you start to realize it's you almost have to have it so that you have to keep working in the other direction. I think otherwise, if you struck some place, you wouldn't actually keep moving forward. In a, in a way. You mean having some resistance? Yeah. I think it's, and it also reminds you, it's just a reminder of also, oh yes, what am I trying to do? How could I be better? Where, sh- where should I go? Right. How can I contribute? Whatever right. that is. So I, I'm just curious because maybe somebody's listening to this and they're already in a relationship, let's say, and they haven't incorporated this practice into their life in whichever way it makes them feel comfortable. Um, was you, when you were in a partnership or was was she to- on board with this or was this like, Hey, you have your thing over there. Like, how does it, how did it work? Because I hear from, from a lot of couples that it's important that it, not that it's identical, but that you're sort of on the same page. Cause it would be hard if one person, you know, sees all the beauty of the world and maybe feels, um, some level of freedom right. and the other is overly grounded in our earthly world. How, how did you work that out? 
Well, when I started doing it again after my kids were grown, mm-hmm. I was in a, my second relationship, yeah. my second marriage. And um, I would say that both Sarah and I have done it together. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's important that if you go on a, a journey together, that you also have a lot, enough space between mm-hmm. you. Because it's only natural that you're going to be worrying about your partner sitting across the room. Is she okay? Yeah. I hear other people throwing up over here. Right. Uh, you know, so I think you have to, that's a really tough balancing act. It's nice to do it together. We've done it together in nature, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful way to do it. And we've also done one or two situations that's more of a group thing. Um, I personally don't like the group. I see the value of it. It's just like... Um, what do you call it? Group counseling and group therapy. Yeah. I mean, people do that. It's really good. It's yeah. not my thing. It's not, yeah. Do you like group therapy? Uh, n- have you ever no, tried it? I have. Yeah. I've been in forced group therapy. Yeah. I, I, I got put into a group therapy with a kid and then other kids and their parents. Mm. Oh, that was hammer time. I know. So anyways, it's not for everybody. <laughs> uh, so everybody should like, you know, do what they want. But what is important, whether you do it in a group or alone, mm-hmm. is the integration. That you reflect on your aha moment. Like if you got some incredible idea, okay, that what are you going to do about it? Yeah. How are you going to improve the, your relationship with your loved ones, your children, your community, the world? You need to do that. And I'll tell you something that's interesting. People said, well, why did you make Gratitude Revealed after Fantastic Fungi? Like, what's the connection? And I never thought about it until after the film was finished. And I realized that Gratitude Revealed is the integration. If, if Fantastic Fungi was learning about this incredible, you know, uh, shared economy, the mycelial network, which is a shared economy under the ground mm-hmm. where nutrients are shared without greed for ecosystems to flourish. What a beautiful model, right? Mm. Once you learn that and you see it and you get it, what are you going to do about it? Mm. Are you going to take that wisdom from below the ground, above the ground? Or are you going to try to figure out how to implement that kind of shared economy where everybody does well together for life to flourish? where there isn't greed, mm-hmm. you need to implement that. Right. You can't just have an aha moment and then have another aha moment. That's why it's not right. addictive. Because you, you can't just have uh, you know, a trip and then the next day go, I'm going to do it again and again, unless you're really you know, an addictive personality. Right. But, the, but the average person, if you get an insight, what do you want to do? It's actually a burden. Now you're going to do something. I got this great idea. I'm going to build a company. I got this great idea. I'm going to do service. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, you want to do it. This is a really great example. Bill Richards from Johns Hopkins in, in his book, he described, and you'll relate to it because you guys are athletes. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're at base camp and you're about to, you know, climb Mount Everest, yeah. you get in the helicopter and you, and you take a flight to the top and you see it. And then you come back down, you know, 15 minute flight, you come back down to base camp and next day you got to do the hike. You got to do the hike. Yeah. You get a glimpse of it, but then you got to do the work. You got to do the It's work. a beautiful metaphor.
This podcast is brought to you by Ritual. I've personally been taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin since right when COVID hit. I was looking for something supportive and powerful. Someone suggested it to me and lo and behold, I got I did some research and what I love about them is so women were kept out of research until 1993 by federal law. And Ritual really knows how important women are. Obviously, if you're going to be selling them vitamins, they're essential. And they conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their essential for eight women 18 plus multivitamin to really assess its efficacy. So right there, I was intrigued and even more intrigued by the results. It increased vitamin D, which is what I was looking for, by levels up to 43% and omega-3 DHA, so important, levels by 41%. And that was just in 12 weeks. So they take the time and energy to figure out, hey, you know, does this work? And is it going to be good for these women? And not to mention that what they do is so smart. They they kind of hone in on nine key nutrients and they put it in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. So if you're going to spend the time energy to really, you know, navigate taking supplements, everything is bioavailable. Your body can absorb it. It don't know what to do. And it's really gentle on your on your stomach. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I have an empty stomach or after food or before food. They just take away all of those pressure points and make it as easy as possible and give you comfort in knowing also that Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free. They're certified B Corp and all of their ingredients are made traceable. Don't get me started on the nice little finished touch of the minty kind of aftertaste that they put in it. I mean, they've really thought about everything. So if, you've, if you're interested, if you're in need, no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. You will get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash Gabby. If you want to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today, that's Ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash Gabby to get 25% off your first month. When your film came out, your daughters, they're adults. Yeah. Uh, what did they say? Not much. <laughs> Come on. Well, I I think that um, they have their, you know, La- Laura's into acting and directing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jessica's into photography. And I, I feel like, you know, in a way, you know, they're all trying to do their own careers. Mm-hmm. And and maybe because of that, they tend to be a little bit more reserved about, to be honest, yeah. it's really, you know, yeah. about uh, praising. I mean, with your children, given that, you know, you and, and Laird are, are well known, mm-hmm. oh. do, do you ever get any attaboys? Do you ever get any praise? You know, uh, it's when they get older, right? So I have two sort of grown adult daughters and then I still have a, I have a, I have a teenager at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I get, uh, you know, I appreciate the way you handle that. Like I'll get some of those, you know, but if you get like an award or if you get like an acclaim, yeah, no, I'm their mom, like big deal. Like, I think once in a while they're like, oh yeah, I have to, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to them about something and I have to be like, I have to almost remind them like, you know, I kind of spent a lot of time in sports or competing or, and, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. So I just, but I guess right. for their own development as women, as people, um, did, did they ever, were, did they ever party or anything when they were teenagers? No. How'd you get off the hook on that? 
Well, maybe they did at college and I wasn't there. Yeah, but they're young adults at that point. But did you ever, like, was there ever a conversation around, hey, if you're ever going to try something like that, I'd like to help you and you should do this safely? I think maybe they were like you and that they knew that I experimented and therefore they didn't want to hear my stories about what I did, Mm. you know? Because I didn't talk about it. But then when they were older, I was happy to talk about it. But they didn't really want to know what I did. It's almost like you don't want to know that your parents have sex. Yeah, of course. That you're like a person, a separate person. I'm I'm just curious maybe how, though, it informed your experience as a a parent, as a dad. In, In what ways do you think it was a really helpful tool? to because it's hard to be a parent yeah it's it's scary you're always feeling insecure about it it's definitely more of a mom's plight to be like is that okay was that too much was that on enough we do that more i think dads are like i do this and deal with it (laughs) but i just wondered if any of that was a tool that really helped you be better um yeah i think as a i have a greater level of acceptance right accepting (laughs) and not judging that's a big... Even with your own kids. Totally. Because you know how we're not as objective? I am really pretty good about almost everyone else. When it comes to them, I, I, I really try yeah. to keep working on that, that acceptance. When, when they were in high school and then, you know, when a boyfriend slept over, mm-hmm. they never asked me. Oh, yeah. I was fine with it. Yeah. And I could, you know, the logic was, like, sure, that's fine. Yeah, because you're going to be sneak. I'd rather have you do that than be in some car yeah, I know. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that was the logical part of it. But, yeah. the, but the other part of it was just accepting everything unfolding as it should. Without right. Without judgment. That peace, that oneness. Yeah. Even sort of bringing to light how these are tools is, you said, you know, you had been married and not married, going through a separation and Mm -hmm. not being in a relationship is very difficult. Um, Did all of that, those prior experiences um, or going to work or making a film or trying to sell a film, this is stuff that can be tough and maddening. Right. So has this been something that you, that has really helped you respond how you would hope you would? I think it's taught me to not stress over the, the step-by-step procedure of, of having to make something happen, whether it's a film or mm-hmm. a relationship, whatever it might be, you learn to just envision the outcome mm-hmm. and then let go. If you can do that, that can be maybe more effective than the Machiavellian way of, I need to do this, I'll call that person, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and, you know, building it like that. That takes faith, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's really um, hard to do. It, and it sounds kind of new agey, but it's not. I think if you can see the end result, then you just move toward it. Mm. Just keep leaning in towards that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Le- lean into the feeling. Yeah. Because it's all about emotion. Mm. What would it feel like to be at the premiere with everybody like loving your movie and you're feeling great about it? Yeah. What, what would that feel like? Hold on to that feeling, whatever that feeling might be, you mm-hmm. know, and forget about how you're going to get from A to B to C to D. Yeah. 
And I think in a way, when I hear that, it it also almost sounds like prayer to me, mm-hmm. you know, like what people need, like, okay, I think it, it feels like another version of, of prayer, you know, and, and sort of saying, okay, yeah. I give it up. I ask for it. So I, it's, like, it's, it's like, it's like, well, I was just with Bruce Linton. He wrote the biology mm-hmm. belief, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. whether you call it prayer whether you call it faith or right. the placebo effect, as we all know, sure. in every clinical trial, when people are given the pill and they think it's going to make them better, 20% improvement occurs with everyone who takes a placebo. Mm-hmm. What is that? Right. It's great. It's there. So the, the mind does control the body, Yeah, you know, has an influence on it. And I'll tell you a little kind of nugget that I think about magic mushrooms as well. If you're going to do them, because I'm so into nature and I understand that they're really good at bioremediation. Mm-hmm. I, I think bioremediation means that they can clean up a toxic oil spill or it can, you know, heal the, the earth by breaking down things that are toxic into their component parts so they can be recombined in a better way. So if you're taking psilocybin, I feel that they're kind of going through your body and they're kind of doing this forensic check, like, What's what what traumas may be down deep inside, or what physiological things may need to be adjusted? Mm-hmm. They're good at that. They're kind of trained to do that. Yeah, they're trained to take things that are toxic and make them go back into the natural flow or the natural order. And so, if you lean into that belief, which is you know only a belief, I'm not saying it's science. But I believe that they kind of know where to go. Yep. You know, I had a shoulder thing that was bugging me for a while and like from a mild injury and they were going to, you know, want to put a needle in my neck and all this kind of stuff because my arm would fall asleep all the time. Went on for two years. And on a journey, I said, fix it. And it went away. Interesting. So if someone is listening to this and they haven't experimented very much, um, in just from your experience, and you're, you're not telling people what to do, it's yeah. just a conversation or an invitation, what would, you, what, what would be a, a nice or easy or sort of good way to, to experiment or lean into? Where do you go? Who helps you? What, what do you take? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's say it's, uh, oh, let's do scenarios. Yeah. Let's say somebody is coming back, uh, let's go right into it, PTSD, war, uh, or they've had uh, sexual traumas, whatever. What, what would be a, a good way? Because that's more serious. Well, if it's like war or PTSD, MAPS has a program with mm-hmm. veterans, and there's many centers around where you can, you know, mm-hmm. get treatment. And they're pretty much on, on the cusp of getting total uh, approval. I think by the beginning of next year, because it's been on the fast track of a phase three trial, they will have approval so that you can go to a hospital and be treated. You know, anybody can. Because mm-hmm. be it's great. through FDA right now, right? Yeah. In the third. It's, it's How in, long has he been at it? Like 50 years? <laughs> Went to yeah, law Rick school. Been I at mean, it for a long time. I mean, I give that yeah. guy some credit totally. because he well, goes, he's, he's goes working, to law school. Yeah, he's work, He's working within the system. Yes. He puts on a suit and tie and yeah. has his meetings <laughs> with the FDA and, and, yeah. and total perseverance. And he's a total Jedi warrior. I yeah. love Rick for doing that. Yeah. The other thing is, if you, also if you go to maps.org, you might also find information about either psychedelic societies and groups mm-hmm. if you want to get more information like 
either where, you know, where I can have access to it or learn more about it. Yeah. I think it's a safe portal to do it. Mm-hmm. And I would also recommend that people try to, and there's been a lot of talk about microdosing. So, I mean, um, a microdose is like taking like, you know, one twelfth of a regular dose. Right. And all you're getting is a tiny shift of mood, but at least you're kind of getting a tiny fl- you know, bit of, of, of the flavor of what it might be like. And then you might go, okay, I think I'll double that dose. So now I'm taking <laughs> one sixth of a, right. an experience and you can lean into that a little bit. It's almost like putting your toe in the water before yeah. you dive into the pool and kind of gauging the temperature. That's sort of a nice, gentle way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not the way I ever did. <laughs> but now that microdosing seems to be the rage in Silicon yeah. Valley, mm-hmm. which is weird because they're using it to make better software and i.e. more money. It's not a mm-hmm. sacred journey. You know, it's mm-hmm. being used for what I consider the opposite, which is, you know, how to make, uh, you know, how to be a capitalist. Yeah, but maybe, maybe, hopefully, um, if somebody is feeling better and having that level of, let's say, homeostasis, because I started microdosing, I guess, almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. That was really, that is me doing it, putting yeah. my toe in the water. I did it because I I said that I I felt like my head, I was starting to get like concrete head, too many details, too much information. And I could feel kind of things sort of blocking up. And so somebody said, well, what about microdosing? And I thought, oh, that was really good. And that feeling of homeo- homeostasis. So maybe you have these people you know, that are in these positions more motivated to try to share that feeling than, you know. It's a great, the feeling is like coming back from Maui. Yeah. It's so it's nothing like my friends. I go, listen, you can get in your car and drive your kid to school. You're not tripping. No, everything just feels even. I feel more even. Um, I also feel like uh, I just see I notice things more. It's brighter. Things are slower. They come at me slower. I'm not feeling overwhelmed. Um, I've really, really enjoyed the practice of microdosing. Yeah. So as we, in Fantastic Fungi and Michael Pollan's book and mm-hmm. research, what people need to understand is that what psilocybin does is it quiets the default mode network. The default mode network in the brain is like the COO, which is a great thing to have. It's like, how do I drive my car? I got to get my kid to school, da 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 You need a COO in any organization. Right. So you're not on a drug. You're not being influenced. What you're doing is you're quieting the mind, which is what meditation practices try to do as well, to become present, to lose your ego. Mm. And then what happens? Yeah. You're with you. Hello. It's been a while. I miss you. Yeah. I love you. If you don't love yourself, you can't love others. Yeah. It's been a while since you had a conversation with yourself, checked in with yourself, right? You got to quiet that guy up there. They call it the monkey mind. Yeah, sure. Whatever it might be. I'm sure your listeners that, you know, follow you get what we're saying right now. Yeah. You know? Now, it might take 20 years to become a a Buddhist monk in a cave to achieve the kind of consciousness that a mushroom trip can give you in one day. That's a fucking miracle. Yeah. It's very tempting, too. Like, sometimes, because I think it's funny how we... We might think, oh, well, is that cheating? It's like, well, I don't know if it can get you there and can help you. There are lots you. of ways. How long does it take to become a big wave surfer? Yeah. I don't think they have a pill for that, though. 
No, <laughs> no, I'm just saying you can, it would take time. Yes. And if you mastered it, yeah. you would get a high that would be extraordinary. Yes. Right? Yes. But if there was something that would get you past yourself mm-hmm. and your, and some of our human traits mm-hmm. quickly, I think that would be time well saved. And as I said earlier, is it a miracle? Is it like a fluke yeah. that nature created a molecule right. that opens up your consciousness? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the mushrooms are speaking to us, saying, get your act together. we got to live in harmony with the planet. Yeah. Obviously, we're doing a lot of environmental degradation. Mm-hmm. We're losing half the species. I think it's a, a gentle way of saying wake up. Yeah. Are you are you still filming um at the level that you have at the pace at the clip like what what's your relationship with that right now? I I've still had cameras. I still have cameras rolling 24 hours a day, 7 <laughs> days a week. Wait, so are where, where are we at? For 50 how many years you've been 48 years? How long have you been doing well, it? You don't want to know how old I am, do you? No, I know okay. how old you are. Right. But it doesn't matter. You're very youthful. Four, it, well, four decades. Okay, good. Four decades of the cameras going nonstop. 24 hours a day, seven to seven days a week in my studio. So I, I, have, mean, I have an indoor studio with grow lights and photo lights and an intervalometer. And I've got two cameras going and I net five seconds of screen time per 24 hour day. Right. So I wonder you take You're trips. really good at guests. I heard your guests about a billion years with, with, uh, um, with our friend Elijah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So if I've been shooting for four decades and I get roughly five seconds of film per day, right? how much time-lapse flowers and mushrooms do I have in my library? That's a great one. So let's see, five seconds times seven. We got Justin going. We're going to get it for you momentarily. You have a lot of patience. <laughs> and trust. Mm. Because every flower doesn't open. Oh, Wow. Do you still get the moment of excitement or anticipation totally. when you look at those five seconds? Totally. Yeah. Every every rose is different. Is every how about it? Do you get high when you see a sunset? Yeah, of course. Are they different? Yeah. Are they ever the same? No. There you go. Yeah. Justin? days <laughs> You have that much? No, I only have 20 hours. What? 40 years. Five seconds. Times seven, so third. Oh. Yeah, there we go. Um, okay, so okay. I, I I would be remiss. We'll get back to that. Yeah. I'll be remiss. To, I, can you tell the story about the Japanese subway? Because I heard it before yeah. I, I saw your film, and it's just so cool. So someone did an experiment where they were using the intelligence of the mycelium to create the ultimate transit you know, map for the Japanese subway. So they, what they did was they put morsels of food where all the train stations are, and they let the mycelium crawl out and make the connections. And then, you know, ones that weren't working would disappear, you know, and then it became this really clear pattern that was the most efficient way to have a network of subway stations. So what is nature? Nature is all about efficiency. Nature never wastes a molecule. That's beautiful. It's really a beautiful thing. It's not about efficiency like we think about in terms of uh, economics or workers and getting rid of people doing jobs. I mean, efficiency is actually sacred geometry. Mm -hmm. It spirals. 
it's networks, it's there are no right angles in nature. I mean, it's how it's the most efficient way for energy to be transmitted. And that's why you get this warm feeling when you see the mycelial network. It looks like the roots of the tree. It looks like the neurological patterns in your brain. It looks like the circulatory system in your body. It it's everywhere. Mm. And that makes you feel at home. And and that there is some kind of grand universal maybe intelligence or consciousness and we all want to feel that you know that there's something that yeah. is sort of i mean other than the bible that is guiding a certain order and and when you when you feel it then you lose your fear of dying yeah 40 years got squeezed into 20 hours roughly yeah and so that's compressed energy and then if I told you, mm. look, we were talking about comparing like a meditative practice. If I said, I want you to, you know, um, stare at a rose for, you know, <laughs> two days. And I don't want, and don't take your eyes off the rose because it's going to open. Okay. Yeah. And don't, don't eat and don't pee. You know, I just want you to focus on that rose. Well, you wouldn't be able to do that, but I can show you what that looks like. Yeah. Now, maybe a, a some, you know, evolved Buddhist yogi could, yeah. you know, stare at that fast, not go to the bathroom and yeah. do it. Yeah, but they're, but they're the person who needs to do it least. If right. they could do it, they don't need to do it. Right. But, but so <laughs> like, I guess, it, so it's not a cheat. I'm showing you little gems of wisdom mm. that I can share with you that you can't do on your own. For example, if... The, when you're you know, the GoPro on a giant big wave. How cool is that? Yeah. How cool is it to hang out with a whale underwater? Most people can't do that. Do you want to experience that? Yeah. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, it's better watching it in 4K on a beautiful screen with music than like dealing with the, you know, Scooby gear. Get on the boat and, get and on then there. getting all fog <laughs> and wondering if you're gonna die. You know, I mean, why? I mean it's it's different, yeah, but it's valid. So yeah. I'm bringing that energy actually into healthcare. Mm-hmm. Where we have it now at UCLA when people are doing dialysis, I have it at UCSD with uh, on the oncology unit. I'm, I'm bringing, but this is like without psilocybin. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so, are they going through their regular treatments and sitting there and then watching these images? Yes. Wow. Because it's medicine. Yeah, it is. It's medicine. I mean, we have healing modalities for every sensory receptor except vision. Okay, you got massage for touch, aromatherapy for smell, music for hearing, healthy food for taste. If I say vision, mm. what would you prescribe? Yeah, only something, like you said, like a sunset or something. But there's no like healing thing no. where you can go and say, I need this, mm-hmm. or I can buy that, or I can sign up for this. I mean, it's funny, the sunset, the greatest show on earth, nobody shows up yeah. and it's free. <laughs> They ought to charge, and I bet there'd be a big crowd. But if I can give people compressed energy, and you know, you guys are filmmakers as well. If you you show people magic moments, that's special. These are peak experiences. If you can give someone a peak experience who doesn't have the time or the money or the energy or the health... I mean, look at all those barriers. How many kids yeah. in, in East L.A. have never been to the ocean? Yeah. yeah. The majority of them yeah. have never been to the beach. 
But if you can turn them on, let's say by looking at a video, right? They go, wow, that's cool. I want to do that. Yeah. And the design is so extraordinary. Mm -hmm. When you really just experience the design, it blows your mind. And I don't care how many times you see it. Right. It's astounding. Yeah, because you're looking in a mirror into yourself. Can we just go back a little bit to the medical? Because that part, I think, is sort of, I hate to say it, but, and, you know, the money part aspect of care and things like that. But, um, you know, we've, we've talked about the mental health, emotional, but there are cancers and sort of a lot of things that are starting to get integrated now with with this uh, modality. With psilocybin or visual healing? I call it visual healing. Well, with both. With both. Yeah. So, I mean, psilocybin, it's like really moving into these areas of, of medical practices. Does it surprise? I mean, are you kind of surprised or you're like, oh, no. finally, guys? No. What I mean, took you so long? Like, Yeah. I mean, most addiction is based on trauma. And if you have, yeah. you know, trauma that's buried, it triggers disease yeah. as well. So there, that's a giant thing right there. It's mm-hmm. not like the psilocybin can, you know, cures you or, or treats you physiologically. No, it's definitely in the way to ease the mind or to get rid of a buried trauma, which is constantly keeping you from being your best self. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of stuff, and your film has this too, with, with dementia and Alzheimer's and yeah. things like that, which I think a lot of people worry about. Yeah, I mean, there's a study at Yale that showed that um, psilocybin given to mice helped with neurogenesis. That means growing new nerve cells in your brain. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, um, they diminish in terms of you know the brain cells in your brain. So that is encouraging. Yeah. You know, I mean, wow, we just need to really you know do more research and really figure out how to do that. This podcast is brought to you by Vionic. I don't know about you, but for me, the worst thing is shoes that are uncomfortable. And the second worst is like you have a shoe that's really comfortable, but they're not cute. Well, Vionic shoes has, they've solved that problem. I got my first pair of Vionic shoes. I got the Georgie Mule. I got it in this really beautiful kind of cream tan color, super comfortable. I could dress it up. I dress it down. Then I got the Uptown Loafer very comfortable, especially for a closed shoe. And the thing that sets them apart is their Viomotion technology. They began by revolutionizing medical orthotics, and today they continue to use that same science. So your feet are really comfortable and they use it to engineer their shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day, but they use rich leathers and suede, beautiful materials, very cute weather-ready boots. Maybe you're going to be traveling or you're outside more, but it's getting cool out. They even create performance sneakers to keep you moving. You know how I feel about that. They have this incredible boot called the Brighton ankle boot. Unfortunately, I'm a size 12. The Brighton does not go up to 12. It goes to 11, but the hazel ankle boot does go to a 12. So I've got that coming because it is getting colder out. I'm going to be getting outside and they have a great offer for you today. And The other thing that's important about Vionic is they offer a 30-day guarantee, wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. That gives you enough time to go, hey, how do they feel? How do they look? Do they work with my wardrobe? 
Um, I even got compliments from my daughters. And that's a big thing for me because usually I'm getting like, what are those kind of comments about my footwear? But my foot is really big. It's hard to fit. I refuse to wear things that are uncomfortable. And so I'm really grateful that Bionic Shoes gives me something that I can wear that feels good and looks great. And if you use the code Gabby at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com. That's V-I-O-N-I-C-S-H-O-E-S.com when you log into your account for a one-time use only. This podcast is brought to you by Beam. And Beam is really interested in you getting a good night's sleep with their new Beam Dream Powder. People are raving about it, and it's very, very easy to use because sleep is the foundation for all of our recovery, no matter what, our mental health, our physical health, how efficient and perform, you know, how we perform throughout the day. It really does come from having consistent nighttime routine. And for me, that's non-negotiable. And I've never been a great sleeper. And so when I need assistance with that, I will use things like Bean Dream Powder because the ingredients are incredible. It contains powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and a nano CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, which is my problem. And hopefully we we'll just wake up feeling so refreshed. A recent clinical study revealed dreams helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed and 93% reported that dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. And today my listeners, they get a really special discount on Beam Dreams powder. They're special selling hot cocoa for sleep. I mean, how good is that? With no added sugar. It's now available in delicious flavors like sea salt caramel, cinnamon cocoa, and chocolate peanut butter, which is the one I was using. Better sleep has really never tasted better. And if you want to understand how to use it, it's so simple. All you do is just mix Beam Dream into hot water or a milk substitute, or if you drink milk, you can stir it or froth it and enjoy it right before bedtime. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, and you can get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Gabby. That's S-H-O-P-B-E-A-M.com slash Gabby, or go ahead and use the code Gabby at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash Gabby, or use the code Gabby for up to 40% off. Is there anything on the horizon? We talked about maps mm-hmm. um, in the psychedelic space uh, specifically that you're also sort of really excited about. Yeah, I think um, immersive experiences is what people want, mm-hmm. you know? And I also would qualify that people want an immersive experience that'll change your life. I mean, a roller coaster ride is an immersive experience. But I think we want to do things. So even like if you look at the you know travel industry and wellness, people used to just sit around the pool and drink, you know, pina coladas. <laughs> but the younger generation, they're more into like experiences and right. learning about things, which is really beautiful. So what I love is this whole idea of large-scale projections and and virtual experiences. I'm actually consulting with Madison Square Garden. They built a sphere in Vegas. Yeah. That's it's a three-acre LED screen, which means we have to figure out how to shoot 
cameras in 16K, that's four times 4K, which mm-hmm. is what the modern TVs are about. Um, and Can that, you convert anything that you've already shot to that? Is that possible? A little bit. Given how long it takes or it's a not, not a quite little, the same? No, but what my approach to that would be, I would create surrealism. In other words, I would say, here's a 4K flower and a 4K ocean wave and a 4K desert. Mm-hmm. And I would do like a dolly thing and I would, you know, create like a collage, mm-hmm. which would be really trippy to do. Um but I think that, you know, the what when you look at the sphere and you two just you know had a concert there. So you got Bono, who looks like probably yeah. an ant. Yeah. And what are people going wow over? A hundred and eighty degree view of a three acre LED wall. Mm. Also, I was recently at Tomorrowland, which is like the largest music festival on the planet mm-hmm. of electronic media music. And I did a presentation in front of a 130-foot-wide by 40-foot-tall LED screen. And we had dancers on stage. And that was in front of a crowd of like 9,000 young people in Belgium. And so um, I love the idea that I'm turning young people on to nature Mm -hmm. in a cool way that's different. I mean, the imagery that I show, I do a lot of like mandalas and a little bit of, you know... um, layering with my imagery and some of it is like straightforward like slow-mo ocean wave crash or a flower opening but they're getting turned on with really cool music Mm -hmm. and that's what i mean earlier about your beauty's nature is full for survival because we protect what we love i want to be able to go to a festival like that and not have it be strobe lights (laughs) and flashing lights and pounding music it could be something different yeah well, and that's part of that transition too, yeah. right? We have all this technology, which we know the ways that it's hard on us, but here's an opportunity for it to really, to bring us into, it's where we're going to use technology to bring yeah. us into nature, but yeah, it is that way. So what inspired you to do Gratitude Revealed, your guided journal? Like, I think that, that, as I said earlier, because my parents were you know, Holocaust survivors, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love telling stories of people who have love and joy in their life, who have overcome adversity. Instead of feeling, you know, completely like a victim and throwing in the towel. Um, Those are heroic stories. And so the fact that my parents, you know, raised me with a lot of love and joy um, are the stories I love to tell. And you find the same stories in nature. You know, plant doesn't get watered. It's really resilient. Fucking bounces back when you give it some water. I mean, that thing of adversity, every time I see like a blade of grass and a crack in the sidewalk, you go, wow, look at that guy. You know, right? Yeah, totally. And look at the big wave surfers. I keep on talking about big wave because you got this gorgeous big wave image over here. Resilience. And resilience, they found out in science, is one of the benefits of practicing gratitude that people who practice gratitude bounce back from mishaps a lot faster. You know, somebody rear-ended you. Yeah. For some people, that could be a week of... Kibitzing. Yep. Or it could, for some people, it's like, okay. Thank God it wasn't worse. I'm so fortunate. A couple of hours of like, whatever, insurance will take care of it. Moving on. Maybe it protected me from something else that I wasn't supposed to go down the road on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So resilience is really important. And that's what... 
at the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, they've done these studies with people. It's one of the benefits. So now it's actually a revelation I'm having right now with my parents inspired me to tell stories about people who overcome adversity, but love life. And the benefits of that is resilience. Then I guess that's why I wanted to make the movie. Yeah. That's all right. Being in the flow. Yeah. Being in the flow. You know, Laird and I talk about that. Like he talks about surfing, but he's like, it's really the flow. It's that, it, yeah, I love the ocean, him. I love the waves, the excitement. But because it is the flow, he's like, that is what you're looking for. I learned something interesting from Stephen Kotler about flow state, which mm. is years, years and years ago, he interviewed Laird to talk about flow state. And Laird said, um, it is and you are and that's that. And Stephen was like, oh, okay, well, that's boy genius. It's what? What was that? Boy genius, you know, like, thanks, Laird, you know. But he said that he learned later that everything in life is different and changing except flow. Flow is always the same. Mm. When you go there and you're in it, it is the same. And so I think a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And even if your films bring a version of that, um, that's also probably a really powerful part of it. Um, in, in wrapping this up, I, yeah. I just want to revisit because I, I really am, um, you know, I think after living so long in this notion of performance, you realize that um, if we can feel good and be kind and help each other and, you know, sort of not get, need a lot more, we you know, we don't need tons more yeah. when enough is good and things like that. And we can love each other and have connections that I go, Oh, this is, we're starting to get into performance. And even when you talk about um, your, your gratitude revealed, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? You can have all the information in the world. And I always say, that's amazing. What's your practice? Mm-hmm. You got to put it in play. Cause everybody has all the information now. Um, I, I do love the idea and maybe it's because I think it is part of our future that w- is part of our past, which is bringing um, these practices into our medical system. Mm-hmm. And so uh, bef- before we you know, wrap this up, I was just wondering, we talked about maps. Um, if there's anything else sort of on that side that really you're, you think, oh, they're really doing some interesting clinical trials or some experimenting that feels important? I think the clinical trials that I'm engaged with is, is what I'm really excited about. Great. I mean, yeah. Um, we're, so we have a brand new one starting at UCSF. Okay. Okay. It's at the Neuroscape Lab, probably the most advanced technologically data recording place in the world, mm-hmm. certainly in America. And so I have a a theory that every ecosystem in nature might affect your brain differently. So, for example, if Mm -hmm. I said to you, you know, music's good for you, hopefully you would say, what kind of music? If I say food's good for you, what kind of food? Mm -hmm. If I say nature's good for you, then what kind of nature? So we're going to do a trial where I'm going to take people through like an eight-minute journey of forest ocean, desert, flowers. And I'm hoping that there'll be a difference between each one. Mm -hmm. And if there is a difference, then wow, we could be prescriptive. I might say, Gabby, you know what you need? You know, 
I know you water and you love all this water, but you need fire because that's what Ayurvedic medicine does. Mm -hmm. They balance you. They give you the opposite of who you are. Yeah, where you're always living, grinding it away all the time. Yeah. Well, that's just that's just that's just Indian medicine, yeah. which yeah. goes back ten thousand years right. or whatever. So it might be interesting to look at their philosophy or their practice and be able to implement it. So I'm really excited about it because it's never been studied before. And imagine, God, someday we, you know you, you go to not even a doctor, you go into a fucking dome, you go into a little pod, you walk into this room. And you go, Siri, take me to Tahiti. Hey, Siri, take me to the Alps. Mm. You know? And boom, you're there. Because that technology is here right now. Yeah. And and shift your mindset. Mm. Now, again, it's not like literally going on a wave. It's yeah. not the same as going to Machu Picchu. But if you want to go to Machu Picchu, three days of travel. And you know what? You're going to be surrounded by a thousand tourists with their selfies in front of your face. Yeah. And it won't be spiritual because I filmed it. I know. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever sit in on any of these and, and just for your own experience? Well, you can't really do that because it would disrupt the, uh, the scientific test. Oh, I mean, they don't get like you never get to like they don't ever hook you up to the images and you sort of experience it yourself the, um the one in ucsf i haven't done yet okay. i want to okay yeah yeah get but, in the pod and do you know totally know. Yeah. yeah but they're gonna it takes like an hour to like wire yeah. yourself so it's it's fmri eeg galvanic meter all kinds of things a little bit of fan a little bit of aromatherapy all that stuff i mean i I directed Soaring Around the World. It's a Disney theme park ride. Have you, have you been on it by any chance? No, I haven't. Okay, so you're on a hang glider. Yeah. Your feet are dangling. <laughs> IMAX screen, upside down, and the image goes under your feet. And we film all the great wonders of the world. It flew over like Mount Everest. No, sorry, Matterhorn. Mm -hmm. and, and we tilt the seat a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you look down, you know, 14,000 feet. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. So... It is like the number one attraction in Shanghai. It's in the top three at all the Disney theme parks. So think about the nature, beautiful, not me, sacred places around the world, competing with Pixar, um, Disney characters, Marvel, you know, all those branded franchises. Yeah. And we kick butt yeah. and people applaud at the end of this four minute journey of all the incredible places that are on the planet. You know, Guazu Falls, Serengeti, Pyramids, Eiffel Tower, Monument Valley, Greenland, Great Wall of China. We filmed all these incredible places. Yeah. And yet it blows people away. Isn't Again, that great? Yeah. It's better than CGI. Yeah. Well, watching like 10,000 people in a battle, you know, which yeah. is all fake. You know, it's fake. But when you get to see, the grandeur of, you know, ice, you know, glaciers in, in Greenland and to, to fly through the cracks in Monument Valley. Mm. Like, wow. Yeah. Your parents would be really proud of you. Oh, thank you. They would. I think it's a, a really inspiring thing when people lean into the voice, even if the path is not clear, because it, it is hard to do, but it's what leads us to all the really juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and also it's like how we contribute, 
you're, right. you had a thing inside you and you get to contribute that and, and uh, contribute to all of us. Can you direct people to all the places that they can find you if they yeah. want to? So the best place to go now yeah. is the Louis channel. Mm-hmm. So that's Louis channel, uh, .tv or .com. So I've created my own 4k platform like Netflix or HBO. And, um, I've put all my content on there. So I've got shorts on gratitude and mushrooms. I have Louie Land for kids and children's hospitals. I have a Wonder Not podcast series. I have conscious creators for other filmmakers. I really want to have a safe platform where you can go and get media without any of it being toxic. Mm. Because I do believe violence, revenge, exploitation, conflict, which is the core of all of Hollywood stories is um, bad for you. It creates cortisol, which creates disease and inflammation. And people go, oh, I know it's fake. You know, I'm watching someone getting tortured. Uh, Are you kidding me? Mm. You're putting a ton of enzymes and chemistry through your body, which is fight or flight. And you're not going anywhere. You're just sitting there. You're not even burning that energy. You're not running away from a saber-toothed tiger. You're just sitting there with adrenaline that you're being chased in a car chase or whatever the dumb story is. And again, it's the same old-fashioned story, the macho story, kill or be killed, survival of the fittest, you know? That's a dumb story. That's not nature's way of working. Right. I mean, we we talk about progress and and even mankind's progress is ultimately through cooperation. Right. I will throw a twist in there, though, and I do think even though nature is is not vengeful and like it doesn't kill anything just to kill like a yeah. you know something doesn't hunt i do think it's savage though a little bit in the way that it's it's tough and so i i always feel that it's a combination of you do have to have that resilience mm-hmm. because nature does show us that it's hard sometimes i think at the top of the food chain and again you're a human being. If you're watching the lion eat the antelope and all yeah. that, it could feel a little bit like that. And it's not mean. Like the lion's doing it for right, food. No. Right. Well, and to feed its babies. That's right. Okay. But if you go to the foundation of life, mm. the pollinators, the fungi, it's all about symbiotic relationships. Yeah. Nothing lives alone in nature anywhere. Yeah. And so cooperation is the number one Ingredient for survival, adaptability is the number one for evolution. Um, And it's also the answer for mankind. Do you think they're going to decriminalize all of this pretty soon? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I think it's about three years out. Great. You know, but I think mushrooms will, and psilocybin will happen faster than cannabis because there's more medical research that shows the benefits of psilocybin, and with all the research and studies about cannabis, there aren't that many medical benefits that you can point to. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying it's not as powerful a medicinal modality compared to psychedelics. Yeah. And after I watched your movie, I felt like it was sort of nature's computer you know, just the way it moves in and, and, and does what it needs to do. It just mm-hmm. felt like a computer. Well, Louie, I really appreciate your time and I appreciate yeah. your work. And 
Um, thanks for coming and spending Thank time with me. Thank you for the great work you do. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. All you have to do is go to GabrielleReese.com or head to the episode show notes to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, podcasts, and so much more. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and send them to at Gabby Reese on Instagram. And if you feel inspired, please subscribe. I'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Laird Superfood. In 2015, Laird Superfood was created, but it was really actually created in my kitchen by my husband, Laird. And he was always experimenting with coffees and other ingredients for performance. And lo and behold, Laird Superfood was born. And we have beautiful coffees and creamers and protein bars and other things. But one of the things I'm very excited about is our new greens product. A lot of Americans are not getting enough fruits and vegetables. Something like 85% are not getting enough vegetables and 80% are not getting enough fruit. And we need fiber. So for me personally, I'm always trying to encourage people, and I know this is Laird's philosophy as well, is real food, right? Let's try to get as much of the good stuff, the minerals, the nutrients, the macro, the micronutrients from real food, but it's hard to do. Our soil's different. People are busy. Maybe you don't know what you're getting at your grocery store. So this is a way to get it done and bridge some of those nutritional gaps. And what I also really appreciate about it, besides that it tastes good, I just do it in water first thing in the morning, then I'm done. And then I actually go and have my coffee after, but we use upcycled fruits and veggies. So things that won't go to waste, maybe they're not really pretty. So we use them in our fruits and veggies. We use no fillers. So your body actually knows what to do with the ingredients. They know how to absorb it. There's fiber. And also we never use any artificial or natural flavors. Uh, This is something that is harder than people realize because to amplify flavors, a lot of times even, you know, using natural flavors is the way to do it. So I'm excited to share with you. And if you'd like to try it out, all you have to do is go to layeredsuperfood.com. And if you punch in the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y 20, you will receive 20% off. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.